I um, have been wanting to do a series um, related to music and worship and worship and music and discipleship for a long time. Um, and I hope that this series will be informative and enjoyable. Now, informative in the sense that we become aware of the place and purpose of music in our discipleship and worship. Enjoyable in the sense that we'll find joy in the music and the songs we'll be examining. Now, this is uh, a little bit difficult. Uh, I'm going to introduce the series today and set a direction for it. And in the weeks to come, uh, I want to make this thing more interactive. So I want us to do music. I want us to talk about music. I want you to share some of your uh, uh, own experiences with music and the hymns. And uh, to do that, we're going to run into a problem because we have a lot of people who listen to us uh, uh, literally around the world with the iTunes and the, and the uh, website. And I kept trying to figure out how do we do that. We're really not mic'd for if we sing to have that recorded. And we're not mic'd for discussion. You notice even sometimes in the testimonies, it's hard to hear what everybody's saying. So um, I think what I'm going to try to do, and that's uh, one of the reasons I've been hesitating starting this, is I keep trying to reformat it so that what I can do is give a brief, maybe 15 minutes of, of explaining something and then the rest would be the interactive, and at that point we'd turn off the, uh, the uh, recording, and that part would go on and people could grab a hymnal and look at that for themselves, and, and we'll go from there. So it'll be a little difficult for the people who aren't here, but I think uh, more beneficial for us in that context. Um, music, vocal and instrumental, both individual and congregational, uh, including, in some sense, dancing, is part of the gathering and worship of God by his people. Uh, and uh, there are hundreds of texts that indicate this, and we're only going to be able to examine a few in the series and even fewer in this introduction. So I, the danger of proof texting, I'm going to just indicate samples of texts that could be done uh, in much more detail so that we understand that. So I'm going to ask you to start by turning to Genesis uh, chapter 4. And in Genesis chapter 4, we begin to be introduced to the issue of music. Uh, Genesis 4 talks about uh, the relationship of uh, Cain and Abel, of course, and, and it is in that context that this is, is written. Uh, Cain, after he kills his brother, is sent out away from uh, the presence of God and the rest of his family in that context. Um, and he has a child and uh, she gives birth to a, a boy named Enoch. Not the Enoch who walked with God, a different Enoch. This Enoch is one whom Cain then uh, builds a city and names it Enoch after his son. This begins the line of those who are about reputation, who are about fame, who are about glory, as opposed to the line of Seth in the next chapter, which is about uh, those who call upon the name of the Lord. Both of them have an Enoch, and there's quite a difference between this famous 
city built after the Enoch versus the Enoch who walked with God and was not for God took him. Then a little further down uh, in verse uh, verse 19, we have Lamech. Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of one was Ada and the other one was Zillah. And, And Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. Uh, He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. So it is in the line of Cain that we are uh, told about this man named Lamech. Now again, there are two Lamechs. There's a Lamech in the line of Cain. He has two wives. And one of his sons becomes the head of uh, all those who will become pastoralists. And the other one of those who will be musicians. Uh, Very quickly we begin to get cities built with uh, a separation of of labor and uh, distinct uh, ways of making a living, if you will, in that context. Uh, But the other line that also has an Enoch who walked with God has a Lamech. And that Lamech gives birth uh, with his wife to Noah, and he has he makes a statement of faith. Now these two lines will intermarry, causing a major problem of human beings. So much so that God will ultimately flood out that generation. But the issue of uh, music. Uh, survives the flood, which means that Noah and his family had that ability from the other line, Jubal. And after Babel, and after the creation of the cultures of the world, we find music in every culture. Uh, Human beings are inherently religious. They are inherently musical. Uh, These things are... Uh, critical. And even if the wrong God or a false God, which is redundant, is worshipped, it will be a religious system and a music system that is that is drawn together in that context. Now we don't know uh, much about that except that we are musical beings and that music is a useful tool in our learning, as was testified to this morning, in the expressing and the reinforcing of what we believe and what we think and what we feel. Music is a critical part of people's life, whether they are musicians or not. And it is a powerful uh, uh, medium for us, uh, and all the more powerful in our present culture where uh, individuals with iPods and and various kinds of musical devices. You see people with headphones everywhere listening uniquely to a musical soundtrack for their life that is much less shared than ever before. Uh, Historically, music was shared in large part by the entire culture, the entire group. And we are now reaching a point where we have highly radical, individualized versions of that, and that's part of the issue. So, we don't know much about the detail of the music of ancient Israel. 
But it's clear that they had music while they were in Egypt. We have a, a great deal of knowledge about Egyptian music. And the book of Exodus actually records the song of Moses that was sung by him and the sons of Israel when they were crossing the Red Sea. So I'd like you to turn to Exodus chapter 15. And while the music of this is not uh, given to us, and we have no way of uh, knowing what the musical content, we do have the lyrics. And the lyrics are found here in chapter 15. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said... Now this is not a spontaneous song. Somebody had to write this. Moses wrote it. It is called the Song of Moses. Uh, There are people who think that Moses had musicians write it for him. Okay. Uh, You know, we don't have that information. It's called the Song of Moses... And so I'll leave it at that. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. And the choicest of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The deep covers them. They went down like the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. And at the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deep were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword, my hand, and will destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The people have heard. They tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia, which is where they're headed. Uh, then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab trembled, uh, trembling gripped them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them by the greatness of your arm. They are motionless as stone until your people pass over, O Lord, until your people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, your place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Now, this is the first hymn we have. This hymn gives us a plan and an idea for how religious worship music will operate. It sings praise to God. It talks of what God does. It's not focused on the believers except as the recipients of the blessing and the goodness of God. It's really about Him. And that focus you will see throughout the Psalms and you will see throughout uh, 
both Jewish and, and uh, Christian music. Um, now, this song of praise and testimony sets the pattern uh, of musical praise. It's vocal. We'll see that it's instrumental. And it includes dance. So I want you to uh, look uh, at, the, uh, at verse 19 then. It says, For the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots, his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of sea. Miriam, Moses' sister, uh, the prophetess, and Aaron's sister as well, uh, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with trembles, with dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he is hurled into the sea. So we get an antiphonal kind of music. We did that earlier today. Sing hallelujah to the Lord in the, that echo kind of thing. The, the, the idea of singing and echoing is a major part of this kind of thing. And the men singing and the women repeating and, and, and the women engaged in dance and uh, with instruments. All of the elements that we're going to talk about in this series are in, in this context. And so it's reasonable to assume that this continued in the liturgy of the tabernacle and in the celebration of the holy days and the Sabbath and that this would be expanded then as we saw, as we will see in the temple. So, I want you to uh, look at another passage related to this. Again, we don't have time to go into detail with this. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to begin at verse 13. The first, if you will, superstar musician uh, in, in the context of Israel uh, is seen here. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, he's talking about David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. He became very paranoid. We see it in, in all of the writings. He was, he was just constantly afraid because he had, he had sought his own way and not the Lord's way. And now the kingdom was going to be taken from him. Everybody becomes a threat. Let our Lord now command your servant who are before you. Let them seek a man who is skilled player on the harp. And it shall be that when the evil spirit from God is on you, he shall play the harp from his hand, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. Not just a musician. We're going to find that the best of the musicians in the, uh, in the history of the scriptures and for the most part in the history of the world in Judaism and Christianity are great theologians and well versed in other things. Because in order to bring life into musical context, you must 
be someone who is full of life and not just talented. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a jug of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to Saul by David his son. And David came to Saul and attended him. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. There's another thing about music. When you get people who are musical, they tend to be uh, liked and beloved very quickly, whether their character matches it or not. In David's case, it did, but, but that's also an issue. Uh, there's, there's a power in music that can cover up the evil intent of a manipulator and can express the heart of one who follows God. Saul sent uh, to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about, whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. He found comfort and solace in that. The power of music is very, very strong, and it can be used for great evil, and it can be used for great good. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in this context as well. We have to be wise in our use and implementation of music. And parents, you need to think about that uh, in, in your parenting and in what your children are exposed to as well. Uh, in that kind of a context. It's not just music. It really does have an effect uh, on us. Now David will write psalms that are used by individuals and congregations even to the present day. And these psalms are a result of the Spirit of God uh, being upon David and they serve as a pattern, I believe, for our worship and praise and our liturgy. Um, We do well to study these psalms and, and religious musician, musicians dare not ignore these templates uh, of worship. So a search of music and songs in the scriptures will show that the proclamation of the word of God, that is prophecy, uh, and the praise of God in song with instruments and including dance is a common notion uh, throughout the scriptures in that context. So I want to go to the psalm that was read earlier. And I appreciated uh, the reading that uh, Nan did with it. Uh, I was in Houston one year at a huge Baptist church. And uh, the Psalm 150 was the psalm that was to be read. And the deacon of the day came up and he read it like this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that was exactly how he did it. And I had another pastor with me and I said, that guy doesn't have any breath. You know? Uh, when you read the scriptures, there is a need to read them 
as they are intended to be read. And this is not a funeral dirge. Okay? So praise the Lord, right? Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise His mighty expense. In His mighty expense. That's what we should do. And I appreciate that many of you, as you read, you pay attention to what the context is and and try to uh, illustrate that in the readings that you do. So this uh, needs to be read a little differently. It's praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds according to His excellent greatness. Always think of that song, praise Him, praise Him. Tell of His excellent greatness, right? Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Uh, Now, this is not the kind of lyre that you might normally find in a Baptist church. Uh, <laughs> that's that was me, right? Okay, or the other church. It's the it's the instrument lyre, right? Say, you know, I I once heard a joke where the the this was read. Praise him with the lyre, and the woman uh, hit her husband and said, "The Bible's talking about you." You know, <laughs> praise him with uh, the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with string instruments and pipe. That's not a smoking pipe. That's a playing pipe. Uh, Loud cymbals, resounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. This idea is that we should worship and praise God. And the celebration of who God is and what He's done is important. Now, this is one psalm. There are psalms of lamentation. There are psalms of repentance. There are songs that fit every mood of human beings. We're going to look at those over the several weeks to find out when it's appropriate to do which and to use which. Because we want to express truth, we don't want to manipulate with truth. Um, so, uh, the reason I, ha- I read this is, Uh, I want us to look at the instruments that are used. There are three types of instruments that we find in scriptures. I mean broad categories. The first are (coughs) string instruments. (coughs) Excuse me. String instruments involve a series of strings that are tightened and pitched in a manner to create a series of notes in the form of a scale. Now, we're familiar with certain scales in, in, in the West, but there are a number of, of scales in the ancient world uh, that were used. And many of these things have five strings. Some have ten, that gave a double uh, range. And some had twelve, which allowed for a little additional variability. Uh, the earliest string instrument in the Bible is known as the lyre or the harp or the kinnor. Uh, it's probably a handheld instrument, uh, kind of looks like a large horseshoe and then had the strings in it. Uh, And many of you have maybe seen that. Uh, You may have even seen that Spock in Star Trek plays one in one of the songs uh, in one of the episodes uh, in that context. There are people that are making uh, some of these ancient instruments. Again, I thought it would be nice for us maybe one day to get them and have them here on display. Uh, But they, they are the foundation of all string instruments. And we still use string instruments. I'm playing the bass and the guitars are string instruments. And in some sense, the piano, though this one isn't, pianos are string instruments uh, because they're basically a harp with little hammers that allow you to to play them that way. Um, 
the earliest ones, usually one or two notes would be strung, uh, and while that was done, a person would sing. They weren't used for just instrumental only, but they were generally done uh, as an accompaniment for singing. The second type are are called wind instruments. Uh, The pipe probably uh, began as a tube from a reed uh, that would be blown and a note would come. We've all done that kind of thing as kids. A single note could be changed by puncturing a hole in that reed. Uh, So you get kind of the clarinet kind of thing or the piccolo kind of deal that people do. Um, It also became possible to take different size reeds and band them together uh, to get kind of a a pipe, you know, a a pan pipe, a pan flute, sometimes they're called. It was very common to have two where you'd go back and forth between the two notes, the the one and the five in the uh, in the in the scale, and uh, by doing that, be able to play along uh, with the with the string instruments. Uh, uh, ultimately, kind of a har- uh, harmonica type thing that would develop, and that could allow people to play these instruments, both the string and the wind instruments, together. Uh, the third type are percussion instruments. The timbrels are really a early form of tambourine. Uh, Sometimes small gourds were used as drums. Mental cymbals were used, uh, uh, small ones that were finger cymbals and larger ones that were used. Some of them uh, made a single sound. Some of them echoed the sound and continued uh, in that kind of sense. And all of these instruments, uh, string instruments, uh, wind instruments, and Uh, percussion instruments uh, were used so that the rhythm and the crescendo could be brought to a chant or an incantation that would be used in uh, in the idea of of making the word of God heard and understood and celebrated. So we get this, uh, that they actually organized people in this manner for the purpose of worship, and we find that in 1 Chronicles chapter 25. It says that David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service of the sons of Asaph and of Hermon and of Jeduthun, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals. And the number of those who performed the service was, and then he lists them. And when we get down to verse uh, uh, 6, it says, All these were under the direction of their father to sing in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres for the service of the house of God. And the number of those who were trained in singing to the Lord with their relatives, all who were skillful, was 288. Now, that's a pretty large group of musicians. Um, The idea was that they had music at the temple going on in all of the celebrations. And it was always accompanying And they were to play skillfully, okay? It was the idea of working on this because you were offering it to the Lord. I remember coming from uh, a musical background, and I started not uh, so much in church music, uh, but in non-church music. I was aware of church music, but not that church. And so got very involved in music to make money. And... uh, uh, we rehearsed constantly. In fact, we rehearsed so much 
that it made it difficult for me to actually turn in homework. It's very hard to turn in homework if you haven't done it. Uh, so I was rehearsing. And uh, we'd get out of school and we'd rehearse. And in school, I took every musical class uh, in high school. The only time they saw me was in the musical classes. And when I wasn't in the musical classes, I was rehearsing. And uh, that, that was what I did. And I, I, we played over and over and we experimented with the music. And I, I, I even one time marched in one of the Santa Ana parades with an upright bass. I figured out a way to put it on a little uh, um, wheel apparatus, uh, kind of like a skateboard. And I carried it, and it had a battery-operated mic and amplifier, and a guy next to me carried the amplifier, <laughs> and we marched in the marching band uh, with the bass. So uh, I, was, I was always trying to get involved in that. So when I then became a church musician, I noticed a different attitude. Now, there were those who loved music, and then there were those who were there because they loved what music accomplished for them. And it became really clear to me that there was kind of an attitude, not among everybody, but among many who, well, this is only for God. After all, we're volunteers. And I never could understand that because I worked my tail off for a dollar that said, in God we trust. Now that I trusted that God, I wasn't going to try to do my very best. Uh, the idea of playing skillfully, those who are skilled, is a very important notion. It's not just uh, what a pastor friend of mine used to say, well, that's plenty good enough. Plenty good enough doesn't cut it. We are offering something to the Lord God Almighty, right? who is worthy to be praised and we are to give him our life and our strength. Just coming in and just getting by is not worship, that's coasting, right? So, um, I don't know how I got off on that, but it, it was there. So the human voice is an instrument. And the worship of God by the gathered people of God incorporates not only instrumental, but vocal music. Singing is the focus. The instruments are secondary. The instruments accompany and the voice sings out to God and the voice cries out to God and the voice testifies of what God has done. And so uh, that's an important part of our faith. Our faith is a literate faith and it's an intelligent faith and the words are used to praise God um, as, and that is the priority. This is one of the problems that I have with some music that's done in foreign languages. Uh, it's beautiful, but if you don't know what's being sung, and that's why whenever we do anything in Hebrew or Greek here, I want to make sure you know what is being said so that we are using our mind and not just our feelings with regard to the issue of music. Now, uh, turn back one, well, you've already turned to Chronicles, so you have to go back to Psalm 149. Sorry about that. Psalm 149 uh, may be individual as well as corporate. And I hope that you will, uh, if you don't already, that you will begin to exercise this spiritual discipline as well. Praise, to, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. We'll talk about that in a week to come. And praise 
in the congregation of the godly ones. So clearly there's corporate singing of praise. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praise to him with timbrel and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure uh, in his people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Now, you'll notice no beds in the sanctuary. What he's saying is that you should be singing to the Lord and praising the Lord in song uh, at home. And in the, in the evenings, you meditate on the Word of God. How do you meditate on the Word of God? You sing it. You sing the Word of God. You sing the praises of God. And by doing that, you, you, uh, you are practicing the presence of God. Uh, so he says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And of course, symbolically, we also talk about the Bible and the word of God is a two-edged sword. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people. Obviously, this is talking about a real sword, but the, emble- the symbolism of all this is still there. That there is praise in God, there is strength in God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there is a building up, an edification of the person that happens when we sing praise to the Lord. Now, you can get built up and edified at a Beach Boy concert, singing the songs, or another group, if you like it, uh, because that's what music does. But those songs don't focus on truth. They may focus on your experience. Okay? Uh, They may remind you of... Uh, earlier time when things seemed better, but they're not focused on truth. And the purpose of this is for us to do it in the context of truth. So, uh, the scripture gives us uh, that information. Now, I want to turn to the New Testament. There's only two passages that I want to use in that context. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read both of them, uh, and then we'll... uh, We'll discuss them. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 15. The scripture says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, some translations say redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Now, a parallel passage of this is found in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, also at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you have been called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness 
in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in deed or word, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, there's a common issue here. That we are to be careful how we walk. We are to be careful how we live. We are to live according to the will of God. And to instrumental to walking... I picked that word deliberately. Instrumental to walking in the ways of God is music. There is a soundtrack to our faith. There is a... Uh, a, 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 a uh, context in which we are to express and learn and reinforce and teach the scriptures and it is music in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, psalms is an interesting word here. It really means to pluck a string. It, the word's not psalm. It's translated psalms, but it means to Pluck a string. Now, what it means is uh, what they would normally do in ancient Judaism and also early Christianity is they would pluck the strings with the note and they would sing out the scriptures. So, this is a, a singing of biblical texts. <coughs> Many of you have heard me say this. I, I, I met uh, Chuck Smith. I think it was in the 65, 66, somewhere in that time, when, he, when he'd come out here. I met his son, Chuck Jr., and as a result of that, met him. And when he decided to move from Newport Beach up to Costa Mesa to start Calvary Chapel, uh, they built the little, the little chapel that was there that was called Maranatha Village after a while. And I would go down and see him uh, quite a bit, because I was a young preacher with a house church trying to figure out how to do things, and um, and he was well-versed in the scripture, and that's saying it mildly. Um, Chuck had memorized the entire New Testament in the King James Bible, and he had large, large portions of the Old Testament uh, from the King James Bible, memorized as well. So well, that we could sit around with him and say a verse. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. And he would start there and go till we stopped him. My pastor who... Brought me back to the Lord uh, and back to ministry and all that. Harold Coble, uh, when he was dying of a terrible cancer of the colon, eating him alive, uh, we would spend the evening and sometimes all night with him when he couldn't sleep, reading scripture to him. And he would, if we'd misread it, he'd say, he'd reach out, I could just, he'd reach out, grab us. That's not what it says. Read it right. The memorization and the knowledge of Scripture is important. I asked Chuck one day, how did you memorize the entire New Testament? And he said, I put it to song. 
you can remember enormous amounts in song. I told you about my rehearsing. We used to play four-hour dances, and I played them all without any words, any fake charts or anything, because I had it all memorized. Which means that today, when a song comes on, or if somebody says something that's even close to a song, uh, all of that starts triggering in my head. Okay, So if somebody even says, well, I was walking down the street, I hear singing do wah diddy diddy dum diddy do. Okay? And it goes on. I can't get that thing out of my head. Okay? Or they tell me, uh, I was talking to my mother-in-law. 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 I got all that stuff. I cannot get it out of my head. Because Papa was a rolling stone. It's just there. And it won't go away. Now think. How much of my hard drive could have the word of God? And I've got a lot of scripture memorized. But I would, I would trade that 50s and 60s rock in a heartbeat for the scriptures. And I am trying to get as much in there as I can. But I could have used it over the, the last 40 years quite a bit. The singing of scripture and the knowing of the words and the, and the singing of direct scripture is part of this. That's the song. What are the hymns? Well, the hymns are praise and dedication and declaration of God's attributes and actions. And if you, if you listen to the hymns that have been historically done, they all follow that pattern of Moses' song where they declare what God has done. And often they have phrases that come from the scriptures. So they're not directly singing scriptures. They're really a commentary on the scriptures. And they have great, incredible theology. Now some don't. Some hymns suck. So uh, There's one in the Baptist hymnal called God of Earth and Outer Space. And it's just awful. It's awful lyrics. It's awful music. It's just awful. Awful, okay? Uh, and I think it was just subcontracted thing that they needed for an Earth Day hymn or something. I'm not sure what it was for, but it's not sung much. But you know, if you have been around a church that used hymnals, and you guys have been, but if you grew up with that, there are those songs that every once in a while you'll hear part of it and and some of those words will come back and it's like it's a small world it won't leave you it just keeps keeps going in your head so the hymns are theological commentary uh, about life and about God and about what God's done and then spiritual songs spiritual songs are really what you and I would call choruses or these new songs that People write and, and develop and, and, and they become popular. Uh, they, are, they have a little more contemporary edge. Uh, they tend to be a little folksy, a little easier to sing, uh, which is really important. One of the problems with many hymns is you really have to have some knowledge of music to sing them because they come in four-part harmony. By the way, when churches stopped singing hymns, people stopped reading music, and they stopped harmonizing, and it has been a terrible loss to the church. 
the only harmonizing you get now comes from harmonies of pop music, and that's usually country and rock and roll, and unless it's a quartet thing, it's really just two-part harmonies. But historically, and if you grew up in a church, you know this, you'd hear the bass being sung, you'd hear the tenor being sung, you'd hear the soprano and the alto, and occasionally uh, a church had one or two descants who were up there, you know, somewhere where the satellites roam with their voice hitting the high notes, you know. And, uh, and the visitors would all go, you know, like that to that person when they, when they hit that, you know, uh, he lives. Yeah, all of that, you know. Uh, and, but that we're losing our range, we're losing our harmony, we're, we're losing that. Uh, I love hearing the people that are singing and harmonizing here at the beginning just before we start. We need to do more of that. If you know parts, you need to sing them. And the, the, they're in the hymnal. And reading music is part of what I want to talk about. I want us to think that if we're going to teach our kids Greek and Hebrew, we need one more language. They need to read music so that they can harmonize and sing that music. And in many cases, there are people that can't carry a tune in a basket, not because they don't have the ability. They were never taught. And the ability to speak and to sing uh, is lost if you don't practice it. So, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The writing of music uh, is part of what we do. And, And some within our own congregation may have the ability to put lyrics to tune or tune to lyric and, and, and sing a new song uh, to the Lord. By the way, it's very important that we start doing this also in our testimony time. Uh, the sharing of a song or the asking for a hymn has been done. Those are important uh, parts of our giving testimony and praise to God as well. So the music is to God and is to teach and to motivate us to obedience. So it enhances our memory, it expresses and affects our mood, it really involves the whole person. I'm not going to talk too much about the dancing part, I'm going to do that as a whole deal. You know, we have the kids doing some stuff, there's some stuff I want to expand uh, in that context because that's also part of, uh, of this worship. And uh, in Baptist churches, they don't call it dancing, they call it synchronized. Uh, Movement to music. There's a way around everything, right? So what are the tools to music? Well, the tools to music are the instruments. Uh, and the tools to music are the, the written music, the hymnals. And one of the reasons why we have a hymnal is because uh, the hymnal is the record uh, of God's people's voice of praise down through the centuries. And uh, next week, I'm going to specifically use the sermon with the hymnal. We're going to look at what hymnals are, why, how they developed, and we're going to talk about how, how to use a hymnal in that, in that context. When I was growing up, I could almost always tell I was in a Christian's home because I would see two books. I would see a Bible and I would see a hymnal. And when I got into ministry, I realized that most of those hymnals were stolen. Uh, but I didn't know that. Uh, uh, people didn't buy their own hymnals. They just took them from the church. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but then rehearsal. 
the singing in the home. It's important to sing in the home. Uh, uh, children will sing if you sing. Now, sometimes children will sing even if you don't. Uh, Brenna, we can't stop her from singing. She will sing for hours. Uh, and that little sweet voice. Uh, if she doesn't know the words, she'll make them up. But she's going to sing. Uh, uh, I... I am almost, I am brought to tears every time I see Ryan singing. He belts out a song. Um, when we were at Westminster, we had a, a deaf congregation. And most of them uh, couldn't make much more than a joyful sound at all. They would sing out. They would sing out during the hymns. Boy, they, their hands were singing. Their mouths were singing. And they were making a joyful noise. And I had people who visited who would come up to me afterwards and they'd say, Pastor, you know, you'd get more people to come here if you'd shut those people up in the front. And I would say, that is the best sound in the ear of God and in my ear. And if you can't stand that sound of somebody praising God in the midst of their suffering and pain, you're in the wrong place. It's not a show. This is not entertainment. We have come to join with the living God, gathered as His people, as family, brothers and sisters, some healthy, some not, to worship and praise God and to have the high praises of God in our mouths and the joy of the Lord in our heart. And the glory of God surrounding us. And that's why we gather. And that's what it's here. So, in this series, we're going to look at music in our discipleship and in our worship. We're going to consider what we do and why we do it. And we're going to try to improve our understanding, our approach to the use of music at the Disciple Center. And as I said, next week, we're going to... uh, we're going to use the hymnals. So if you've got one at home, you, you, you might want to bring it, bring it back. Uh, <laughs> let's pray.